Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. In this episode, Anam, Eve, and myself get into what it's like being a two female co-founders raising money in fintech, what it's like to create an app for Gen Z, and also their experience just as people that were in traditional finance, left to build their own company, and have now grown it to a multi-million dollar fintech company. So I'm so excited for you to hear this episode with Anam and Eve. Eve and Anam, welcome to Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited to have you here in person. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for having us. Yes. We're so excited to be here. Yes. How are you? How's it going? How's New Year? We're doing great. We're off to the start of a new year. We have a lot planned with Alinea and we're just excited to conquer the year. Hey. Yeah. Very excited for 2023. Hey. Okay. Well, I do want to start at the beginning. How old is Alinea now? Officially two years. How's it feel? It feels like we're just getting started. <laughs> yeah. It feels like your baby can start to walk. <laughs> yeah. When like they they get started, they're they're learning how to do things on their own. Yeah. It's the Oh my gosh. I not that we have kids, but <laughs> <laughs> me either. I'm I'm imagining what it would be like if my yeah, yeah if child was app yeah. or vice versa. But I love the app. I'm like just dipping my toes and experiencing it. But I will say I think that it has this experience and this like intuitiveness that is an, a UX that just makes so much more sense than normal investing apps. But before we get into all of that, the origin story. You started out as classmates. Yes. And when you like picked each other for a partnership in a class, was it one of those weird moments where like no one had a partner and you found each other or did you already know each other? It was actually a really small class. I think okay. it was about 10 to 11 students. Senior and- seminar. So very mm. intimate. and uh, I love those. Yeah, I went up yeah. to Eve. We knew of each other vaguely. Didn't really know each other that well. Asked her to be my partner and was just like, I want to do this project with someone. There wasn't much thought to it. Mm-hmm. And so you started... <laughs> You're like, yeah, she looks good enough. Yeah, yeah she texted me. She's like, do you, do you want to be partner? Do you want to do this class together? It's like the most Gen Z founder yeah. story ever. Yeah. And <laughs> But I love it. I mean, these are how good things yeah. happen, right? When you don't yeah. even realize it. And then... So you partner up and you create the concept of and you or you create Alinea and for the project. But then did you, you went and worked at different traditional finance companies, Goldman, City, right? Yeah. So I worked at City and Equity Capital Market. And I actually didn't go work at a bank afterwards. I worked at a bank. I worked at Goldman over the summer mm. and then I worked at a hedge fund over the summer. But after graduating, I went to work on a finance role, but at a startup, at a growth stage startup. Mm, so mm-hmm. I was working on the IPO and on M&A deals under the CEO of a growth stage company. Okay. So Alinea kind of just like hung out yeah. on the side yeah. on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so strange. We never really had a formal conversation yeah. about like what we were going to do with this. But I think we both had this vision 
And we didn't even have to like say it. It was just so innate. We'd be like text each other on the weekend. We'd meet up. We'd be drawing things. We'd always be thinking about what the next step is. It, just, mm. it was so natural for us. Yeah. And even after we finished that class, it was just one semester. We continued to work on it. We hosted a huge conference at Barnard College with 26 female speakers. Over 500 wow. people came. Even Mrs. Dow Jones came back. In the hey. She was just getting started. And we saw there was interest. We saw people wanted to talk about their finances. People wanted to learn about investing. So we knew something was there, but we also needed to paycheck. So we yeah. went to full-time jobs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so entering and kind of working in the different finance realms is where you were like, okay, this can suck, right? Or, you know, you see the the holes in the system, right? And I guess, is that how kind of like Alinea was always in like, or I guess it was, you're working on it, right? And was the idea to always build it up into maybe something you could do forever? So I guess so, right? For me, the light bulb moment, I was interning at City, and um, the light bulb moment was when I turned to one of my male interns and he was like, I've been investing since the eighth grade. I have enough <laughs> money to pay off my college tuition. I invest in ETF. What the hell? And in that moment, <laughs> Yeah, and in that moment, I just felt so stupid, right? Like, here yeah. we are oh, taking every single step possible to be successful, going to a good school, getting good grades, getting the internship. Yeah, like, I already missed out on thousands of dollars of wealth, right? And I don't know how he was investing, probably with his parents' account because he started in, like, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean, in that moment, I just felt really disappointed and frustrated. And I went to my friends. I started talking to people and saw that, this conversation was never going to happen to me and it was never happening. Like no one around me wanted to sit down and say, hey, like this is how you're going to grow your money. Like Mm -hmm. you can work as hard as you want. I was working like 14 to 16 hours a day, but like your salary only goes so far. And I think as a generation, we know that we're Mm -hmm. well aware of that. And like we need the tools to put our money to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the magic moment with Eve and I was when we sat down, we didn't start like right away and said like, we're going to build a linea. We actually went through like a list of problems we saw around us. And when we started talking about finance, we just couldn't stop. Like, we're like, okay, this is so much to do. There's so much <laughs> to do. Like, we have so many incredible, intelligent friends and personal finances aren't taught in high school. They're only mm-hmm. mandated, I think, in 14 states in the United States, some type of financial literacy class. And the United States, like we're currently in a financial crisis. Inflation is at its highest. Student debt levels are at its highest. And there's no education. And if you're a woman or a minority, you're not exposed to conversations either. No, it's incredibly hidden, actually. And it's a part of our culture for it to feel like something that we're not allowed to talk about. I mean, my mom is from the Philippines. If she knew that I was like, telling people now what I make and wanting and having those open conversations, because I'm a huge proponent of that. And you know, women should definitely share what you're making and how you're yeah. dealing with your money and how to negotiate your salary. Yeah. So much what are we hiding? What are we gatekeeping? I mean, we don't we don't do it on purpose, right? We like we just weren't taught. We were taught to like hide that or the, otherwise it's like it makes us look bad or it makes us look icky or whatever. And that's what's been holding us back from getting ahead in some aspects. Right. Like yeah. I've had to have discussions with like other female coworkers after I found out that they were making, you know, 20,000 less than a man doing their same job. And like, okay, well we have to do something about this now that I know, but unless you know, then you like unless you have that conversation and talk about it. But yeah, no, my mom would be like, "What? You're just telling you're talking about this? Like that's not a cultural thing." Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. And 
as women, I feel like we, we did a TikTok about this, but we are always marketed everything from beauty products to designer clothes to mm-hmm. the, the best, I don't know, hair products. But we are never marketed how to make money. We're never investing has always looked like it's been built and made for dudes. So we really wanted to change that when we started off in Ugh. that senior year classroom. We were like, we need to create a brand that speaks to us. Yeah, well, and. You're doing an amazing job. And it reminds me of uh, Women's World Banking, their president, who, big fan, you should check her out, Mary Allen Iskaterian. I've had an episode with her. She wrote a book recently where she talks about this crazy stat where if financial services were offered and promoted to women at the same rate that they are to men, there would be an additional $700 billion of annual revenue for the industry. Which is like, okay, so then why are we doing this? Like, what are we missing out on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can tell you from the earliest days when we had conversations with investors, a lot of the times we were turned down hundreds of times because yeah, people say the problem doesn't exist. Women, they don't care about it. Like, they don't want to invest. And we know that's not true. We get like hundreds of messages a day on TikTok, on our emails saying that I want to invest and I don't know how to get started. Can you help me? So what do you do when, with like a VC like that? Are you like, yo, check out my TikTok? I mean, do you know who we, I am? We didn't have kind of genuine. Oh, wait, 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 you're right. My bad. Okay, okay. So then like now you could. This now you could be bad. like, see this? You wrong. Anyway, but yeah, I, I think the first person who believed in us when we pitched the idea was Michael Seibel from mm. Y Combinator. He really saw the founder market fit and he understood the problem right through us. We had 10 minutes to pitch him and Anam killed it in the interview. <laughs> no one before him really understood what we were wanted to build and why this was such a big problem but he's the first one who was just like this is your first yes go build this Mm. were there any other reservations outside of like this isn't for women or this isn't for young people or i mean so many to this day everyone's like the investing space is totally saturated there's no new innovation if you're not building an ai assistant or a web3 project you're you're not going to succeed so (laughs) Uh, I mean, so that's the constant. I mean, that's what you hear. And I think so much of being a founder and building is just blocking out noise. And that's Mm. what we've had to do over the past few years. Oh, my gosh. Well, kudos to your investor who is believing in you. Have you ever felt that you've had to pitch to a VC and they like treated you differently because you are two women pitching? Oh, man. Yeah. 99% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because we went through this Y Combinator incubator program, right? And there was one kind of direct or indirect competitor. And they were all men, male co-founders. And we were two female co-founders. And they raised much faster than us. And they raised, they oversubscribed around while it was tough for us to raise the money, even though we, we were in a top accelerator program. So one, that just kind of goes to show like, the gender dynamics here and two when you're speaking to 98 percent of the people you're speaking with are old white men it's very difficult for them to understand what you're building and who you're building for and why the problem exists mm-hmm. so that was that one they don't they just don't take you seriously because you're a younger woman you remind them of their daughters or their granddaughters yeah. and two they're so far off from the problem well it, and you're exactly right and that's the biggest issue like we really need more women investing and building but sitting in those partner seats right and making those decisions because 
and diverse people because that's the hard part, right? How are you going to convince someone that's never experienced this problem that there needs to be a solution to it? But I think that somewhere along the way, even well-intentioned people, when they're like growing and scaling, they can think that, oh, well, the path to profitability or, you know, having inclusion or like catering to my my audience, my niche and their needs are like binary pathways. I must do this first or that. Yeah. Like, so how do you? Yeah. I mean, they're not at all. Gen Z is the most diverse generation. I think the stats like 40% come from immigrant parents. And so when we're constantly talking to our community, they're like, we never had this conversation at home. We don't know what the stock market is. We're not having this education at school. We need a place to go to. And that is so critical. And I think that's the data VCs need to understand, in addition to this massive wealth transfer that is about to happen to the next generation. And frankly, we believe the tools have not yet been fully built out. And that's why we're building Alinea. So Mm. when that wealth transfer happens, like the next generation has a place where they feel at home, they feel secure. They don't have to go through so much jargon Mm -hmm. and they resonate with the company that they're putting their money towards. I think a lot of Gen Z's don't resonate with the vanguards of the world or the fidelities necessarily. (laughs) Uh, Not that they're not incredible companies, but they're, they're kind of outdated and they don't really speak Gen Z. I can't imagine like going on one of those. And it's funny. So when that makes me think of when GameStop happened. Yeah. Gosh, how, is that already two years now? Like yeah. you hadn't, were you guys even started when that happened yet? No, um, we were in full pitch mode at that point. We were raising. Yay. <laughs> Actually, maybe it was good. I mean, it ended up working out, right? But maybe good timing. But like that was a time when um, I remember like I was creeping. Well, actually I was reporting on it, but it was a, it was a Reddit. AMA with someone with like an executive at Fidelity and it was after like the GameStop stuff and he was just like I'm an expert in like stocks like ask me anything and all the Redditors just commented on it like trolling him like yo Fidelity's app was better I would stop using Robinhood but I don't like your app (laughs) and I was just like "Ooh, okay like heard loud and clear I'm sure but it's tough when at that time right people only thought that Robinhood was this only you know, this only answer, as we've seen and know, that is not the case. And frankly, I have my opinions about that. But anyways, how was then like, was it an advantage, disadvantage then like trying to raise during that time? You know, that comes up a lot. The game in the era of social media trading. We saw this problem way before. So we were started in 2018, truly. And we saw that investing is not provided to this group of Gen Z women and minorities. So when all this is happening, you still see the same voices at the forefront, which is white men and, and, you know, that average middle class to upper middle class white man getting on Reddit, investing money and being the loudest voice in the making room. the headlines. Making yeah. The headlines. And we still have to understand that that's a really small percentage of the population that actually wants to go out and bet all their money on GameStop. And it's, it's actually that trickled so deep into social media that you ended up seeing a lot of regular people follow in those footsteps, even with smaller amounts. Number one, have platforms that don't have predatory behaviors. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're building. We've always branded ourselves as an anti-Robin Hood against day trading. Um, A lot of platforms or their business model is inherently predatory. And I think second is elevating voices of like regular people who want to build intergenerational wealth. And do you feel like any past experience with seeing the financial system being predatory in your personal experiences, whether like 
whether you're trying to do a financial services transaction for yourself or working in there kind of influences that to ensure like, okay, we have to make sure every element of what we're doing isn't predatory. You know, I mean, I, of course, like think most people go into this being well-intentioned, but if you haven't experienced being, you know, this is my podcast, I think it's where fucked by the system, then you don't know how to properly address it. Yeah, I mean, working yeah. on Wall Street, there was just one thought that would go through my head. I'm like, this isn't made for women. Like, it was just like, you don't see women in leadership positions. If you do, they're being incredibly burnt and overworked and they have yeah. to work twice as hard to yeah. prove themselves. It, you can't really, like having a child and working on Wall Street, like just being a woman just seems so burdensome. Mm-hmm. Or they've just adopted masculine. Yeah. All the masculine traits. All the ma- right. All the masculine right, traits. Right, exactly. And- it's like the system just, again, doesn't feel inclusive and mm. it's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my experience in banking as well, it was just like a lot of the time women were seen as this, like I was in sales and trading and it was like, you're there to please the clients. You're there to uh, uh. go to a lot of IPO roadshows. And and it was, <sighs> it was yeah, it was, they, they were hired to do the sweet talk and to go out and have fun with the clients and in a different way that men, they had to be more flirty. They had to be more dressed in a different way always wearing heels always looking perfect and um yeah it just it didn't feel right yeah well and it's a huge reason why i love having these interviews and these conversations and why i created my content is because i fundamentally believe unless you've had those experiences then how can you actually you know create these products that solve problems right that your audience is clearly facing and having and I think going you are Gen Zers right you're like Gen Zers creating for yeah Gen Z we're we're building for our audience and our generation yeah we're our own target customer yes and I think I mean that is such a massive you know competitive advantage especially now when community is such a huge thing I've been like saying it so much I was talking to Alex Johnson the other day and it was like top of mind for him too and I was like okay I'm on the right track but I think it's huge like at the end of the day, yes, it's oversaturated investing apps. But if you hit the right community and you resonate with them properly, then there's I almost liken it to content creators. Like how many you know content creators are out there with you know th- millions or thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers, but they can all coexist. There's enough space for everyone. There's enough money to go around. There's enough investing to do. Yeah. Enough customers to be had. <laughs> But it's just finding your right niche. So 100%. And over 80% of our community are first-time investors. I believe the latest stat is what? 70... 77% are female. Nice. So our hypothesis and proved to be correct. 68% Gen Z. Yeah. A, that's awesome. That is not something I hear ever, yeah. by the way. No. So... <laughs> uh, which also reminds me... Okay, so... One of my coworkers, a Gen Zer, mm-hmm. I was here in the office with her yesterday and I was like, oh, I'm interviewing these founders tomorrow, like in person. I'm so excited. And it's two females. Like I've never gotten to do that before. Frankly, since I've been a reporter, yeah. like my early days, this has been something I've aspired to get a chance to do. So thank you. And she was like, oh, is it Alinea? She, <laughs> mind you, she does not work in fintech. She works at a media company. And I was like, yeah, it is. She does run a Gen Z uh, magazine. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's Alinea. She's like, oh, I I know who even Anam are. And she just like, yeah, it was so it's cool. T- it was TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But that was just like so cool to see. And that's something that in my early days reporting, one, I never could have said to no one, I think, would have had that reaction like, oh, I know who they are because now we have the social. Now we have right two female founders who are together and raised and have done the thing. Yeah, we actually made and I think this is a really interesting part of our journey and and building our brand is we actually decided to make an Anam and Eve TikTok and share our journey and our story. Yeah. And I think there was a bit of friction to doing that. We were afraid to do that and we weren't sure what the reaction would be. We've gotten a tremendous amount of positive responses. But obviously, that being said, we've had like negative comments in the comments. Yeah. Lots, lots of negative comments. Lots of like a lot of, you know. But it, what's your favorite? What's your favorite negative comment? Ugh. I can try to think of mine. Just so many. I try to like block them. <laughs> We're so immune to them. By yeah. the I know. That's how it is. Like I, you get a couple of like you really start to just get. I think it's like uh, one that comes to mind is like, can't wait for this to fail. Or like Oof. it's it, they're very like uh, I think we've had a word. <laughs> That's one of the sweeter Those ones. Those are the nicer <laughs> ones. Yeah, we've had like you know. Uh, I usually get like uh you know I you don't know anything about yeah. fintech or like you what do you know or oh yeah. this this girl's seen like read like one book and yeah. thinks she knows about finance and fintech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well I'll spin it. I'll spin it the other way and be a little bit more positive. What's some of your favorite? I mean, the Stuff positive comments are so many, right? And I think <laughs> that's what, when we're feeling down, like we wake up and do it for our community because they're like, I needed mm-hmm. this app. Like I want to invest. I, feel I Yeah, I never thought I was an investor before I, I started using Alinea. I've been on Alinea for six months now and it gave me so much confidence to get started. Mm-hmm. And it's receiving messages like that every day that, yeah, it's, that reassure us. it's the being seen, right? Even I can feel like the little pits of insecurity sometimes, even though, you know, fintech is femme and this podcast and everything is like flourishing. Sometimes I'm like, and I get positive comments. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, am I cringy? Or like... <laughs> I think at this point, like, from the cringy. I think yeah. you have to accept the cringy. I was at my sister's... I love the cringy, by the way. Right? I love being... I think people like it, right? It's, it's so cool now to be cringy. Yes. If you're being cringy, that means you're trying. And okay. trying is part of success. Yes. So. Well said. I love that. We're all about being cringe in 2023. Hey, yeah. it's... Really not. It's... <laughs> It's the oh, I mean, it's, okay. So speaking of twenty twenty three, yes. What's like top of mind? What's is it? Are you nervous with the doom and gloom of the headlines in the world? No, I mean, look, we're both first time founders. Um, this is our first rodeo, and this is the most focused and most connected to our community. We feel up until this journey and this point, we've been leveraging TikTok over the past year, and we saw success around August and yeah. September. And we've grown our community like, I don't even know, like we started at zero and we grew it to like 20K followers. And it, yeah, it happened awesome. in the span of a couple of months. We weren't even that regular about getting out there. So our voice is resonating. Our mission is resonating. In terms of like actual building investing, we've spent two years with our community. Um, we know what they're nervous about, what they like, what they don't like. We've tried and tested a lot of hypotheses and we know we have to at the end of the day, our community wants, they don't want to think about investing every day, which Mm. is normal. You don't want to wake up in the morning and think about how your portfolio is doing. You want to set it and forget it. You want to feel... And you want guided investing. You want Mm -hmm. to So true. I mean, what you've done is with the TikTok 
and the social media presence and that direct line. You're just getting complete direct lines of feedback. communication yeah. and feedback directly. Yeah. And do you know how many people think like how many times I've been told like, eh, don't go on TikTok. Like your audience isn't going to be there or like don't do like eh, Instagram. Like who's going to care about fintech on there? And it's like, what are you talking about? Like it's there. That is a complete yeah. feedback loop. Um, where you can adjust and make changes. And then now you've, you know, the paths to profitability and innovation are changing. They've always been different. Just people have thought there's only one way to, to win. But you're proving that that is not the case, right? And you've taken the time to get to know your community. Yeah. Almost like first yeah, or yeah. kind of while you're building. We're, we talk to like 15 to 20 people every day. Like we're in <gasps> touch with our community. Like that is... We are obsessed yeah. with the people we are serving. And it's so every single thing we put out there, we ask for feedback. We measure it. We see like, OK, is this helping or is this in your best interest? Is it helping you? At the end of the day, as a company, as a product, as a brand, it's critical that we're aligned with our customers' best interests. We literally have a financial license to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that is top of mind every day. And that's what we're really excited about in 2023 is building we're that guided experience yeah we're launching hopefully next week a new product feature product update which is going to be our first alinea playlist that's auto managed so we're going to be managing playlists for our users and all they have to do is put money in it and we auto balance it we'll provide content in bite-sized format and video format around the fund that we're managing and and we're we're going to be taking a one percent annual fee but we're really excited about this this new launch. Mm. It's it's definitely been in what the users have been asking for. Did you just drop breaking news on my podcast? Yes. Is that what just happened? Okay, great. So I have to get to producing then. Yes. <laughs> no, it's okay. I actually no. I mean, but really, let me know when this launches because I'll have to write about this. Um, that's awesome. So I love that you're going that route, and that's what the community is asking for because I do think that signals such a maturity of people that are interested in investing, interested in working like with a fintech app on managing and growing their finances. They're also interested in being actually educated. I think right. the culture for a minute there and sometimes still got a little too get rich quick, yeah. you know, between the Bitcoin things and the Dogecoin things and all the like, and then GameStop, all of the yeah. things. As someone who reports on the industry, I got like so almost sat i was like oh we're like nah. i was like oh this is getting really polarizing right now um but like taking back the narrative of like this is all happening and it can be for good it can be impactful in a way that we can maybe actually make a change in the financial education threat that america has faced for years and years and years you know i was too busy learning calc whatever i'm not good at math algebra I would have loved to learn how to balance a checkbook instead. <laughs> yeah. Or how much you should be investing. Yeah. How you should yeah. your budget. Yeah. Like, yeah. And is that kind of what you mean a little bit about like guided? Yeah. So we literally, exactly. all you have to do is add money and we will literally do the investing for you. And it's done on this 50-50 balance of it's my kind of thing. algorithmic. It's inspired by Warren Buffett a. and his investing strategy. I might be. Investing. That's amazing. I'm like excited because I might be your target customer for this because I'm someone who isn't like that into the actual like I'm not 
you know, and you shouldn't be like it's just not there's for so me, much personally. going yeah. on. Yeah. In life. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Five. You have your podcast. To worry yeah. About. You got to. Yeah. You know, you have five other things to worry about. And investing is not top of mind every day. And that's yeah. OK. Like, oh, you just leave it to the experts. Thank you. I'm like, should I just start asking you about advice for myself personally? But anyways, okay. So I will say one of my favorite questions to ask on this show is really about change and aspiration. If we need to be the change that we want to see, what change do you wish to see in the fintech industry and how do you embody it? You embody already so many things. I mean, the obvious is more female founders, but Mm. I think it's deeper than that, right? Like the products that are created in our world. I had a really interesting conversation when we were raising money and we were talking about gendered products. And I think the conversation was along the lines of is Robin Hood a gendered product? And people tend to say no. But like, if you think about it, it mm-hmm. just like a video game, it is a gendered product. It is. It was if it was built. I mean, I don't know who were the di- designers behind them, but they were probably yeah. dudes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think what we don't. So then it is gendered. Is like yeah. Probably 90 percent of our products are gendered. And we think like, no, these are like normal products. And so thinking about, well, what's the flip side of that? Mm-hmm. How do we cater to the other 50 percent of the population and by empowering them financially, that's how you generate revenue. That's how you create profits. And so mm-hmm. seeing more of that in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to Google investors in the United States in five to 10 years. And it looks completely different than what mm-hmm. it does. Like top investors. Yeah, and it's like top investors. And it's it's just not white yeah. dudes. Like yeah. it's just it's tiring to see them always yeah. when you're referencing anything about investing or to see charts and graphs. Like mm-hmm. I think we just need to visually see something different, different. Um, for people to adopt products and new habits. Gotcha. I love what you said. I'm going back to that. You know, I also get a little peeved, if you will, if someone's like, oh, your content is gendered. Why are you always gendering everything? And I'm like, excuse me, our entire world, look around. Everything you experience, everything that you do from the transportation that you take, from the public restrooms that you use to every single thing, to the language that we speak has been if it was created by a man or designed by a man that it was likely then it's gendered yeah. like and everything is gendered yeah so that like to me creating something that just happens to be more female centric or happens to be you know let's say like more gen z centric or whatever yeah. doesn't like take just from the other the other yeah. yes not yes allowing it's space creation for, for other people yeah. And it's like, this is, is this not like the innovation that yeah. you wanted to? And I've had like female founders, other female founders who like have built, you know, like banking apps or that type of thing or financial wellness apps who've been on my show. And I like listen to them go on other people's podcasts. And the, the usually the male host will be like, app for women. Why? And I'm like, yo, that's your opener. <laughs> that's so good. Like, what would you even say to that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I just, you have nothing to, I don't, I don't want to respond to that question. I, I mean, I, big companies like Apple, right? So there were smartphones before that and they're mm-hmm. they more technical. And what innovation really is, is bringing a product that's highly technical or not understandable or complicated to the masses, to the rest of the population. And that's what we really hope to do with investing. Like there, we know there's a critical mass that has been left out that is not taking control of their finances how can we innovate on this to include the rest of the population? And for them to do it responsibly and not day trade and, yeah. and lose thousands mm. of dollars or put themselves in debt like they did on Robin Hood. It's to really do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And that also aligns with their best interests. And people 
let's say like while you're building a product for a certain group, but innovation is bringing technical products or products that previously haven't been as accessible or usable or aligned with other audiences. I mean, that's what I I got got jazzed out about with the industry. Like was this idea of oh my gosh, look at this mission-driven industry where we get to use technology to make people's mm-hmm. lives better and make financial systems work for everyone, uh, no matter you know who you are. And it is interesting to me to see like sometimes to see the industry get so lost sometimes. And, you know, if we don't change the figures, right? Like, you know, with what less than 6% of female CEOs in fintech or that two, that like pesky, like 2% of VC dollars. Yeah. Those are, (laughs) yeah. And it like got worse from like in in the UK, it dropped past like below 2%. It's like 1.6%. We all handle money. Like this doesn't make sense. You know? Yeah. Well, (sighs) yes. And then it gets like dicier if you're a female who raises from a female VC, because then you're two times less likely to raise a second round because mm. there's this impression that you just raised yeah. for being a woman. And it's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. hmm. <laughs> so who's genderizing things now? <laughs> is it like, but anyway, but the solution to that is honestly, you're like what you're doing, your presence, you being you know, you keep going and also more women in those VC roles yeah. so that because the more we normalize it, it's like, you know, I don't know how you feel about the topic of like being a female CEO or a female fintech founder or whatever. And I totally understand that, like, I would love to get to a place in our world where we can remove yeah our dimensions yeah. as a That's part of our labels. Mm-hmm. And it totally should be. But we are just not there yet. Like to me, until it's 50 50, we're not really there yet you need to stand strong in that dimension but i mean curious how you get so many comments like recently what what i've been so astounded by is like there's someone that's gonna come to us and say hey you guys don't really dress like ceos like you need to dress better and someone will come and say you guys dress too well you don't look serious enough (laughs) what like this would never (laughs) like this would a male ceo would never experience this in a thousand years and like we're still early in our journey. So it's just strange. Yeah. And I appreciate, I like love the Gen Z generation. I love that, you know, I think millennials had the information, but didn't know how to like mobilize and organize with it. And I think that's what Gen Zers are so amazing at is that they're capable of like taking all the, that iPhone, but turning it into action and like turning it into, right. An investing app or turning it into like, an organization or something to like make that impact because you can have all the good intent that you want but if you're not making impact then and creating I think yeah we're a generation of creators and that could be content it could be companies it could be just anything like your voice mm-hmm. but I think we're a generation of creators and we see that like even every day when we're talking to our community like they want to create income for themselves they want to create wealth for themselves and so I think that's what's really special about this generation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm like, my last question, I think, would be, you know, my audience, a lot of you know, other early stage founders, especially women, will listen to this. You know, what is your piece of advice for them? You know, this it is an uphill battle. You like go into it knowing it. Though content in my world, I do 
you know, feel some of the things that female fintech founders do feel too. But what's your advice for anyone in your kind of shoes building? The number one advice we always give is just to get started. Nike says it's best, but just do it. It's really, <laughs> it's really. Thanks, Nike. It, it, it's Nike. <laughs> Promoting Nike. This but is it, not an ad. It's, it's so important. Like people just don't get started and you have one life. You don't know what tomorrow is mm-hmm. going to look like and you can't waste your time at a job you don't love. You don't can't waste. When I was at Goldman, I used to work on the IPOs and be like, I want to be across that screen. I want to be making the change. I want to be making the yeah. difference. I don't want to be working behind the desk at that, that computer. And so it's about getting started and not being afraid. Hell yeah. Other piece of advice that I love these days is keep the main thing the main thing. You know, yeah. there's so much noise out there mm-hmm. and echoes what you've said. Just yeah. keep the main thing the main thing. If what you want to do is build and create, do that. Block out the noise. Like, oh, hell yeah. You keep the main thing the main thing. I love that. And I know I'm supposed to wrap this up, but my last question for you would also be a lot. I get a lot of questions about like content creation when you're a founder and trying to figure that out. Last piece of advice about kind of finding that footing and voice when creating online. I think it's about being intentional and the why. The why Mm -hmm. is always important, whether you're building a company or a product or you're creating a TikTok. Why? Why should people care about Mm -hmm. storytelling? Tell your story over and over again. It really resonates with people and motivates others. Everyone has a story to share. And we always talk about Pixar. But we <laughs> what's the, the book that you love the that you're reading? God, I should know this. Yeah. Creativity Inc. Some, yeah. Creative, creative Inc. And it's all about, look, it all comes down but to the story. It's Pixar. Yeah. It all comes down the to Pixar's storytelling. Yes. Storytelling. Yeah. spent years on, on stories. And how can you build out the best? At the end of the day, story is king, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. And as CEOs, you have to be a storyteller over and over again. You have to be pitching your story, your what your reasoning, your reason to exist and just... We're, we're huge on storytelling. I'm huge on the storytelling and I'm so thankful for you both doing what you do. All of the things I say in my newsletter and like all of the pieces of advice I have for founders, you basically are like creating the blueprint for. So I appreciate that. I hope more people follow in your footsteps. I hope more look up to you. And I'm so excited for y'all's journey. And thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.